Welcome to Legacy Women's Podcast, where we seek to encourage women in their relationship with God and one another through monthly conversations with the women of Cornerstone Church of Knoxville. Well, thanks for joining us again for the Legacy Women's Podcast, and thank you for all of your kind words of encouragement for last month's discussion. I loved how the ladies reminded us that meeting with God is a joy and grace in our lives, not just something we do out of duty. So if you haven't heard that first podcast yet, go back and listen, and I think you'll be inspired by what the ladies had to say about pursuing God in your daily devotions. This time, I'm talking to Megan Mason and Katie Van Dyke. Both of these ladies have multiple sclerosis, and Katie recently underwent treatment for thyroid cancer. Thanks so much for coming and sharing, and will you each start by introducing yourselves and telling us a little bit about you? Katie, do you want to start? Yeah. All right. So I'm Katie Van Dyke. I am married to Sean. We've been married for 16 years. Uh, mom of five kiddos, ranging from 12 to 2, so four boys and a baby yeah. girl. Um, I mainly stay at home with them. Megan, how about you? Um, I am uh, married to John Mason, and we've been married for nine years. We have three kids from seven to almost three, and I also get to stay home with them most of the time and then do some uh, medical consulting with the foster care system, which is really fun. Um, Megan, will you also share your testimony with us? Yes, yes. It's hard to pinpoint... Because I've just had the wonderful privilege of growing up with a mom and dad who loved the Lord and feared him. And um, I've had the privilege of I've never known a day where I didn't know the gospel. That I, I didn't know um, that I needed a Savior. And so it's hard to pinpoint at what point in time I began to take that as my own um, I'm not, I'm not sure when it, it be, kind of became my living reality. I do remember one specific time in middle school, like early on in middle school, there was a, came a point where reading through the Old Testament, the Lord just slowly began to really reveal to me, um, you know, while I knew I was a sinner and I needed a Savior and that Jesus was that Savior, that Jesus was my only hope, I had kind of limited it to this more legal transaction, like I need Jesus to pay my debt, I need his blood to cover my sin, and had never gone further than that in terms of the fact that, you know, once my sins are covered in his blood, um, my relationship with God is restored. There's nothing in the way of communion with God, and the Lord began to just slowly, it was like a, a turning point, I guess, I'm not sure if I would say that that's when the Lord saved me or if it's just when he really deepened my my understanding of him and my relationship with him that I began to see this as this God of the universe didn't just save me and then leave me but he wants to be in a relationship with me and it just started to change how I read scripture how I saw him my desire to pursue someone who had pursued me mm -hmm. and um, so that's been the beginning of of just walking with him and learning to know him more and I think it turned a lot of the the rules and the okay like I want to do this and the Lord asks this into like oh this is about who God is so that's great thanks for sharing that 
Um, will you both give us background on your diagnosis of multiple sclerosis and what it looks like for you guys right now? And then, Megan, will you actually go first and describe what multiple sclerosis is for those who aren't familiar with it? Yeah. Uh, multiple sclerosis is a neurological autoimmune disease where basically your, you, your nerves are coated with a covering that helps um, that helps information travel super fast. And that covering is called myelin. And for some reason with multiple sclerosis, your immune system attacks that covering, that myelin, and it starts breaking it down and creating just these um, pockets of plaque called you know, sclerosis. And what that does is it hinders the communication coming from the brain and going back to the brain. So you're left with you know, broken communication, um, which, which is basically the source of Mm-hmm. all the symptoms that can be super wide-ranging but that's kind of the gist yeah um, when were you diagnosed and, and I, what is it looking like for you these days I was diagnosed diagnosed in um, winter of 2007 December of 2007 was my official diagnosis um, I was in nursing school and so missed a lot of the symptoms because you're stressed and can't think clearly and are fatigued and you don't get any sleep and um, so missed a lot of them at first but um, we were going through the neurological system in nursing school and we got to multiple sclerosis and I sat there and it's just like everything one of those surreal experiences everything just kind of dims away and I was looking at the sheet of paper and I was like I have 11 out of 15 symptoms like this isn't just me anyway and so that just began our process of looking in I'd had um, a lot of numbness in my legs to the point that they were so weak I felt like I wasn't really in control of them that they weren't doing what I was telling them to do I would get up from my desk and be like I don't know where the floor is like I'm seeing my foot on the floor but I can't feel it and that's really crazy and weird Um, as well as a lot of forgetfulness just things like my I've always been super weirdly um, crazy with being able to memorize things and all and just that just kind of went away like things that I shouldn't have been forgetting I was forgetting and um, and then just difficulty processing information difficulty tracking with people difficulty taking multiple stimulus and sorting through it and being like I don't know what I'm supposed to do with this like this is just overwhelming and I want to cry <laughs> trouble problem solving working through things and then just major fatigue that just wasn't explained and um, anyway, so that started our process of looking into things and ended up with that diagnosis. Yeah. So what, um, what's it looking like for you these days? It, um, a lot of the same symptoms as what I originally had when I was diagnosed. Um, thankfully, there has not been a lot of progression with the disease. Um, the, the big spots of breakdown in the myelin, they call um, lesions. And so a lot of the lesions that I had when I was first diagnosed, those are the same ones that I have. Mm-hmm. I only have one new one, and that's, okay. um, that's something that I'm really, really grateful for. Um, what about you, Katie? So I was diagnosed really close to Megan, and it was odd because MS is a really rare disease. Yeah. So it was really, um, I don't think I really knew Megan at the yeah. time very well, but it was really, it was odd and amazing and great and... You know, in a sad way, I guess. Yeah. It's not I great that you had like, disease. I feel, I feel less alone, but I should right. I shouldn't be excited because this is horrible. Right. But there is someone else who, like when you said, you know, 
I'm fatigued, I'm tired. They weren't like, oh, yes, we're all tired. You're like, no. In 2008 is when I was officially diagnosed, and it started for me just a numbness and a tingling in my left leg and a weakness in that knee. I remember trying to go up some stairs, and I fell. Like, my knee just didn't stiffen. It just didn't do what it was supposed to do, and it was so odd. And I kept going to my chiropractor, and it kept kind of getting worse, and he was finally just like, we need to do an MRI. So we were looking for a slipped disc. Um, and we caught in the very top of whatever they did on the MRI, a lesion on my spinal cord. So I was in the waiting room of the MRI department and they handed me a handwritten note right after it was over because I was going to see my doctor and it said lesion, wherever it was, suspicious for MS and or cancer. And I was just standing in the waiting room reading that, thinking Sean was on a business trip. He was in Las Vegas. You know, I was alone. I was, it just, from the beginning, it was just like, what? Went to the neurologist. We did a, you know, my whole brain, my whole spinal cord. That was the only thing they saw. And he was basically like, never seen one lesion turn into anything. Probably won't ever see you again. Nice meeting you. And two months later, I had a blind spot in the middle of my left eye in that field of vision. It was just a big black hole. And I went back and I had optic neuritis, which is just the inflammation of your optic nerve, which is also a part of MS, and two lesions on my brain. And my neurologist was like, oh, so this is multiple sclerosis. This was this is what this is. Like, I was completely wrong. So... Um, you know, on a good note, he has followed me since my very first lesion. Um, so that's how, that's how we found mine. <laughs> and what are your symptoms like these days? And um, so it's different. It's, I'm currently in what they call a relapse. So um, the type of MS we have will go into remission, and then you'll have a relapse. Um, and so I am technically in a relapse because I have three growing lesions on my brain right now. So three spots where it's actively being demyelinated. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew that was happening because I couldn't make a grocery list. <laughs> it took me three days to make a grocery list. It just, um, just the mental fog and the mental, just the inability to put thoughts together um, and just extreme fatigue. I mean, I I do have five kids, but it's like, you know, if you've ever been pregnant, it's like pregnant tired times a hundred. Like, it's just that, um, I don't, I don't know how else to describe it. It's not sleepy. It's just, you know, every part of you is just fatigued, your brain, your body, everything. And so I knew, um, I guess back in September, October, that, um, that something wasn't right, that something was off. So that's where we're at. All right. Well, on top of that, on top of that, you also found out you had thyroid cancer last fall and just right. went through treatment for that. So, yes. will you just share um, that whole thing and how the Lord's been meeting you through that plus yeah. MS? And- yeah. So that MRI that we did because I knew something was wrong, um, <clears throat> just happened to find a nodule on my thyroid, and. Um, it had grown. We had seen it a year and a half before, and it had grown. And so my neurologist just said, hey, you do have some growing lesions, but we're going to put that on the back burner because we are concerned that this thing in your thyroid 
we're just concerned is all he would say, you know. So I went through the process of having a biopsy on that, and it came back as cancer. Um, so we did surgery in November um, and took out my thyroid and some lymph nodes and found some cancer in the lymph nodes. And so because it had traveled there, um, we decided the best course of action from there was some radiation treatment and some radioactive iodine treatment. I did all that and went through a week of isolation and being radioactive and all of that and um, did a scan at the end and they were concerned about some spots in my brain and in my liver and so we waited another week and prayed really hard and just, um, just tried to, to make it through that week and scanned again and it was clear. Yeah. So yeah, so that's very exciting. Um, we'll follow up in six months and then once a year for the next so many years I'll have a scan to make sure that the cancer is gone and stays gone yeah so you asked me how the Lord met me in that um and I think in in tons of ways but um one particular thing that I remember about this was I was standing in my in-laws kitchen because when you do radioactive iodine you have to be isolated so I couldn't be near anyone um, and when I was in the kitchen making things to eat, I had to wear gloves, you know, when I wanted to touch remote, I had to wear gloves. It was very isolating. isolating. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I was in their kitchen and I was, I was so sick. I felt awful. I just felt so sick and I was tired and I was lonely and it was just this really hard time. And I just remember standing in the kitchen and I was just like, in a very honest moment, I was just like, all right, God, I don't, I don't know what you want with this. Like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with this. I don't know what I'm supposed to do with you. I don't know how you're feeling about me. Like, I don't know what we're doing here. Like, I don't, I don't like this. I don't want to be here. I don't, I'm, I'm sad. I'm lonely. I'm sick. What, what, like, what do you want? from this and I just really clearly remember the Lord saying to me expect me to be who I am Mm -hmm. and I was like okay (laughs) okay so I sat with that for a little while and then you know I just really started going through like who I know God is um I have a page in one of my journals where I've just over the last 12 years or so, I've just written down all of these things that we've been through, you know, Sean and I have been through, and the way the Lord has answered them. Because, there, you know, there's been lots of jobs and lots of pregnancies and lots of health and lots of friends and just some really hard things in our life. And um, so it just, <laughs> I often have to go back there just to remind myself how God was faithful in those, you know? And I just was like, okay, so God, you're faithful. You know, you gave Jesus, you gave your son for me, you know? So you're loving, you know, God is love. And if you're love, then you're patient and you're kind and you're all these things. And you're close to the brokenhearted, <laughs> you know? And save those who are crushed in spirit. And I was like, okay, then I'm going to expect you to be close. Like, I'm going to start truly expecting you to be who you are. Like, in really real ways. And so then I was like, okay, 
we can do that, God. But also, <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and need you to help me see that. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. I'm going to need the Spirit to come and give me eyes to see you. Because I feel like in the middle of those kind of things, circumstances can really start to cloud my vision. And I don't always see you being who you are. I just don't. I think looking back, I'm I'm pretty good at it. You know, I have a whole journal page full of, like, I can see it um, after I'm through it. But in the middle sometimes, I just... I just can't. I just don't. So I was like, okay, God, I, I can expect you to be who you are. I'm going to need your help to see that, mm-hmm. you know? And I feel like he was really faithful and kind to do that, you know? Um, after that long conversation <laughs> with God, like, I just really had a piece about the rest of what happened. And I think Sean had a piece about it. He was very, like... We've got this. We've been training for this for years. Like, this doesn't scare me. This doesn't, you know. So, um, I think there is definitely that. I think it was definitely close in those kind of ways. And just in super practical ways. Like, I just really, we felt very loved by our friends and our family and the church. You know, like, people brought my, people brought my kids food. Like, people sustained their lives while I was gone. You know, people ran my children around. People cleaned my house. People, you know, one friend showed up on my doorstep with amazing amounts of toilet paper because that's the one thing I forgot to get before I was gone for a week. And she went to Costco and she came to my house with, you know, toilet paper and paper towels and paper plates and just things I didn't think of, you know. And I just think that, that was the Lord using his people to love me and just really allowing me to appreciate that in that time. That's so good. It makes me want to keep a list of God's faithfulness. So yeah. that when times are hard, you can remind yourself, like, look, this is who God is. This is what yeah. he's done. Because like you said, circumstances can definitely blind blind us in those moments and you read it and you think how did I forget all of this like why am I freaking out about this because I have a whole page here you know but you do or I do I guess yeah what about you Megan what has God been teaching you as you live with MS oh man (laughs) that's really loaded question I think that Katie touched on this a little bit I think one of the big things that God has um, that I've seen more clearly and that I'm grateful with the Lord is just his patience and his gentleness. Um, my, just over the years as I have, I received my diagnosis and then processed that or really with my lack of processing that. <laughs> and then as, um, as just over the past 10 years, initially I think I just totally was in denial about having MS. Not that I denied that, I mean, you can't deny what you see on an MRI, Um, but just that it would affect me. And then part of it was I was in nursing school and you're busy and I'm trying to graduate and not, you know, and, but I just kind of had this, looking back, I think it was just arrogance. Like if I choose to not let this get me down, then it won't. And just kind of this denial that um, I would have to deal with the effects of MS and so in kind of denying that, I never really processed it. I never really looked, you know, I knew what it could look like, but I just chose not to go there. Not from a sense of not wanting to be fearful, but just from a sense of like, if maybe if I don't go there, then I won't have to 
<laughs> dig in for what this really means for me. Um, so really it took a few years before the Lord really began to orchestrate circumstances that really forced me to think about what life with MS was going to look like and the ramifications of what it meant that I had it and why he would allow me to have it. And um, it has taken me a really long time just to see the arrogance and the pride that was really clouding and distorting my understanding of his character and who he was and who he wanted to be for me. Um, and just his, and all the different ways that I was um, misrepresenting his heart toward me um, regarding my MS. Um, there was a season where trying to, trying to, mesh the ideas of God's sovereignty and God's wisdom and God's goodness and trying to make all those fit together with my MS diagnosis and I couldn't do that I just I just couldn't get all those pieces to fit together and um I, I just couldn't reconcile the idea of God's goodness with what I was experiencing with the MS and I I pridefully I think was letting my circumstances color my view of God like Katie mentioned just seeing God through the lens of the MS Whereas I should have been seeing my MS through the lens of who God is, but just seeing um, God through the lens of my MS um, and just kind of elevating my understanding and, and my wisdom above his um, as I thought through what it meant for him to be good. And um, I struggled with reconciling the fact that he was good with what I was going through. I, I just couldn't bring those two together. Um, and I just experienced so much of God's patience and so much of God's kindness as I've seen him soften my heart and opening up my eyes to see just how I was pridefully assuming that my plans for my life. And I think I had like, well, I can't reconcile this. So therefore, you're not good. You're not good to me because I can't make sense of this. My conclusion was maybe you're good in theory to those people, but you're not good to me. And so just seeing the pride and arrogance in that, that I would take the God of the universe and just assume that because I couldn't understand him, that he wasn't what he said he would be. Um, but he's been so patient, like didn't just leave me there, just so patient to continual, continually draw me in. Like I said, just softening my heart and seeing both arrogance and thinking that I knew better than God what was best for me and just seeing how completely impossible it is for God to not care for me and be good and um that's been another part that another thing that god has really been deepening in me is just my understanding of his sovereignty and of his goodness and opening my eyes to the possibility that what i perceived as good and what he perceives as good are two totally different things and um that was a very hard summer um, of, of pretty much wrestling with God, of coming to the point where I recognize, like, okay, Lord, I'm not believing you, but I don't see this, and I don't understand this, and, and I don't know how I'm supposed to hope in your goodness when I don't see goodness, and I don't see your mercy. You promised that your goodness and mercy would never leave, and I don't see your goodness, and I don't see your mercy, and, um, and the Lord was so kind to answer, and, um, there's been the slow process of him illuminating my heart to what it means for him to be good to me. And the idea that maybe his the good in this wasn't what I had hoped for. 
um, I think I'd kind of been like, okay, well, what's the good in this? Okay, how are you going to use me, Lord? What are you going to do? What do you wanted me to do? Um, what doors are you going to open up for me to do things? And the Lord just slowly began to open up my eyes to the fact that um, maybe the good he was doing had nothing to do with what I could do, but what he wanted me to see in him. Mm-hmm. And um, it's been a process of me seeing that my ultimate good is in enjoying him. That's really good. I think all of us can relate to the struggle of reconciling God's sovereignty with his wisdom, with his goodness. But I just love that you paint that picture of God's patient with us. That can be a process, yeah. and especially when circumstances are hard. So that's yeah. really helpful to hear that testimony. But it, it doesn't always just magically happen. But the Lord is, <laughs> it's is been, kind to us. It's and, been such a process. And that's hard for me because I'm a very, let's just get it done. And I just feel like, the Lord has been so kind to help me see that the good, some of the good at least in this, um, is in how I'm going to know him more clearly. And I do. I feel like so much of this process has been the hard things, the inabilities just kind of force me to him. And and I do feel like I, I know him better, that I see him more clearly, that I've experienced him and, and just that I know him better, that, um, that I see him so much more clearly for who he really is. And there's just so much more joy and peace and hope in that than I ever could have imagined. Living with a mess, trying to navigate life with the difficulties, limitations, trying to still be normal, what, whatever normal <laughs> is. I don't even know what normal is. It's hard. It's really hard. And but these limitations have driven me to Jesus. And these these are burdens that I, I didn't ask to carry. I don't I don't know how to carry. Um, but they've driven me to the one who can carry them. Um, living with MS has forced me to this this beautiful place of acknowledging my utter dependence on God. And and, and in my weakness and in my inability, um, I've experienced so much of his power and his kindness and his sustaining presence um, in a way that I never had prior to this. And um, so much that used to just be head knowledge about him, he's turned into this beautiful living reality for me through having to, to live with these kind of these limitations. And he's, he's proven himself to be my sustainer and my refuge and my strength and there is just this sweetness and, and this joy in experiencing God's presence this way. And um, and having experienced him this way before it definitely gives me confidence in him for the future. And mm, That's good. My, my next question was about the future. Just there's a lot of uncertainty in all of our futures, whether we have MS or cancer. I'm sure everyone can relate to being anxious. What does the future hold for me? But I know for you guys that's more of an everyday reality. So how do you fight to trust the Lord with your future? I think I've battled with that question for a long time. And I think that, you know, that still pops up a lot for me because I have a, we have an incurable (laughs) debilitating disease, you know, that will likely possibly one day take away the use of limbs or sight or a lot of, of other things that, I really like doing, (laughs) like I really like having those things, you know. So, um, and when I, when I start 
to think about it or when I go to the doctor and I see someone who's a little more advanced than me and those days are always hard for me yeah, or, you are know, hard. those are doctor's visits are hard days. Um, I have to turn over the pamphlets in the yeah. doctor's office, you know, because there was, so anyway, um, when those things, you know, I think what I've learned that when those things start popping up, like those what ifs and the possibilities and you have to plan for it a little bit, you know, and so, so it's good to think through them a little bit. I think it's okay you know, I've come to the place where I can admit, like, I I can't do that. I don't have the courage for that. I don't have the strength for that. I don't have the grace for that. I can't, I can't do that. Nothing in me wants to do that. I don't, you know, I truly can't. And I think that what I've come to settle on <laughs> with all of that is, is I can't do that today because I don't have to do that mm-hmm. today. Yeah. You know, like... I I don't have the grace for that. I don't have, you know, because I don't need it. Like, mm-hmm. and I've come to a place where I really, through a lot of hard fighting, <laughs> you know, it's very settled in my soul that the Lord's mercies are new every morning yeah. and they are exactly what I need for that mm-hmm. day. So when that day does come, I have faith that God will show up and he will be who he is and he will supply what I need to do that in that day. That it's okay that I don't, I'm not like, yeah, bring it on. Like, I'm right. ready for that, you know? Like, I think it's okay to not want that. Um, I used to feel like I needed to be, like, just full of faith for that, you know? And, and I'm not, but I'm full of faith that when it happens, the Lord will be there. And, yeah. and he will sustain me and he will be faithful and he will be merciful in that day to give me what I need for that day and so I think that's how I'm not devastatingly afraid (laughs) of what my future looks like you know um I think that's yeah that's it and so I think um, not that it doesn't pop up (laughs) not that it doesn't come back not that it doesn't you know but I think that then I just walk myself back mm-hmm. through the faithfulness yeah. page and through the, you know, and and so, you know, my faith is certainly not in my ability to deal with mm-hmm. that, but that the Lord will show up on that day. And that's good. Yeah, I, someone has said God doesn't give you grace for your imagination. Yeah, but right. That's such a Absolutely. good reminder. He does give you mercy every morning for right. what you need for that yeah. day. So There's not grace for my fears, yeah. you know, because they're not real. They're not yeah. right. actually have. I don't need it, Yeah. you know. So I just, I don't know. That's that's, good. that's how I do it. That's Everybody good. Had, yeah. And I think uh, you're right. And it's not at all a one and done deal. Like sometimes yeah. I can have this conversation with myself like five <laughs> times a day. You right. know, as yeah. different realities come up that tempt me to fear, what if this gets worse? And there are legitimate realities and fears associated with the MS. It's Absolutely. not like, well, maybe one day. Like there is... <laughs> This is as good as it gets. It honestly only goes downhill from here. <laughs> I uh, I think there was a time where I just tried to fight fear with like, okay, just don't think about it. Don't think about it. Don't think about it. Mm. It won't get worse. It won't get worse. It won't get worse. And just realizing that was not very effective at all. I think for me, I've realized like denying the reality of those fears, ignoring that there could be progression doesn't doesn't serve me just ignoring like okay pretending it's not going to happen like that doesn't serve me I've 
I've really found that some, sometimes what is helpful is taking my worst fear and, and saying, okay, Lord, like, if I end up in a wheelchair one day, if I end up losing my sight, if I end up, you know, whatever it is, not remembering anything except that I know you, um, you, you won't have changed. And um, I think it's the most helpful for me sometimes um, is to take those specific fears to him and take those fears and all my questions and just hold them up against the truth of his character and, and the truth of his goodness to me, uh, the truth of his power to sustain, his promises not to forsake me, his promise of steadfast love that will never leave me, um, and the reality that he is and will continue to be enough for me, no matter what happens with the progression of the MS. And I think that that gives me confidence that while I would say, like, Katie, like, I can't handle that. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know how in the world I can handle that, but I don't need to, like Katie said, because this is who you are and you will continue to be this for me. And, um, and I sometimes just have that on repeat, <laughs> you know, um, but that helps me fight those fears. Well, what are, what's a verse or two that has sustained and encouraged you, Katie? Um, so I chose Isaiah 26, three. Um, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind has stayed on you because he trusts in you. Um, that verse came to me while I was cleaning the stairs one day <laughs> in our house, just in the middle of tons of MS craziness. And um, it came to my mind and I, I, you know, I was like, okay, thank you. And then later that day, someone in the church who I didn't know super well called me and said, this is going to sound a little out of the blue because I know I don't know you super well. But this verse came to me today for you, and it was that exact verse. So since then, it's been five or six years ago, like, that's my verse. It's <laughs> a good one. Megan? Um, there have been a couple for me, uh, one of which uh, I've, I've, that has been very close to my heart ever since my initial diagnosis, and that's Psalms 28.7. Um, David says, the Lord is my strength and my shield. In him my heart trusts, and I am helped. And that's been a go-to, sometimes just pleading before the Lord even. Like, you promised to be my shield. You promised to be my refuge. And I need you to be that for me. Um, just a reminder, too, that my, my hope and, and my trust is in Him. And that's just been a, a very encouraging verse for me. And the other one that has um, served me so many times is Psalm 18, uh, verse 30. And it says, this God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all those who take refuge in him. And the, that's just been a source, a, a big source of comfort for me um, as we've walked, walked through these, these many years. Well, how can um, your sisters in the church encourage you and people like you who are just going through hard circumstances, chronic circumstances or acute um but yeah what are some things and ways that we can be an encouragement to you guys Megan um I think the biggest way I'm thinking about how the church and all these ladies that I know and love so much I'm thinking about the ways that they have served me and I think the biggest way is is the way that they've prayed for me mm -hmm. and the way that I have 
I, I just know that they are carrying me on their hearts and interceding for me before the Lord. And that is just a huge encouragement to me. And then communicating that also, just how encouraging it is for me to know, like, I'm not alone. Like, you thought about me, like, and just how much that reminds me of the Lord's care for me. I think because MS can be kind of a hidden disease. Like, mm-hmm. I, most people wouldn't know when they saw Katie and I that we have right. it. And it can feel isolating. It can feel alone. It can feel like I'm bearing these burdens alone. And so when someone communicates that they prayed for me, um, when they pray for us in church, it just communicates God's care for me. And it, and it's just, um, it it really serves me. I think there's so many practical ways. I mean, I can't tell you how many meals people have brought, how many times people have cleaned my house. And, <laughs> you know, when I've had flare-ups and um, when things have been more difficult and that's just such a practical way that I feel served and I feel cared for. Um, and just people coming alongside me and, mm-hmm. um, and people sharing verses with me, people encouraging me. Um, and even random, not even when I'm having a flare-up, you know, because it's not, flare-ups are really difficult, but even when I'm not having a flare-up, it's not easy. And so just people randomly being like, hey, you were just on my heart and I wanted to take your kids to the afternoon. Things like that are just a huge way that I feel like the Lord uses his people just to communicate his care. And But I think my main one would just be prayer, like knowing people are interceding before me, before God as a huge source of encouragement for me. That's great. That is good. Um, and I will say, I think the women in our church are excellent at practically yeah. caring for yeah. each other. So like, I think they, they excel at that. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, so I think when I thought about that question, um, I thought more recently for me, just with the whole cancer thing and, and walking through that. And um, there have been a couple times where um, – Again, some of the women I didn't even know super well, <laughs> um, but they they saw me at church or a couple even called or, you know, and um, one in particular, she was just, she was just telling me that she just saw joy in my life, you know, and, and the gift of, you know, the fruit of the spirit as far as joy in my life in the middle of all this. And I thought, huh, because I'm like hanging on here, you know, like it's so amazing that you would see that because I'm just, I am hanging on. And, um, and I just thought, you know, those, but those words were just like life to me. They just spoke life over my soul, you know, and, and, um, I just, so since that time, I've really been praying to see specifically just the fruit of the spirit in other women in the church, you know, like the, the tired mama who is still very patient, you know, and, and not just to see that, but then to have the courage, which I'm not great at, to actually go tell her that, you know, to actually speak that over her. Because I think that sometimes we don't realize that, you know, looking at someone and saying, I see the Lord at work in you, you know, like I see the spirit moving in you to be patient here, to be joyful in the middle of this or kind or good or whatever, you know, it is that you're seeing, um, just to speak that over each other more often. I think that's so refreshing and so encouraging, um, because sometimes we don't see that (laughs) in ourselves, you know, like we don't, we don't see the circumstances cloud things. We don't necessarily see that. And so to have someone else, um, and some of these ladies were just women I've just respected in the church for so long to say that over me, it just was, it was so encouraging and so helpful 
to my heart in that moment, which felt very battered <laughs> and very tired and very, you know, but to, for them to see that, you know, I was like, that is 100% the work of the Lord because left to myself, I'm really sad right now. And I'm really, <laughs> you know, um, so that they would see that and then speak that over me was amazing to me. So I think, um, I've been praying to see that in other women and just encourage them in that way. That is so good. That is a wonderful reminder of not just observing God's grace, but actually communicating that and how powerful that is. So. Which is intimidating sometimes yeah. for me to walk up to someone I don't know well and be like, this is what I see in you. Like, praise, let's praise the Lord about this, you know. But it can, you know... It can bring the Lord much glory, and it can really That's refresh good. a heart that may really need it. Yes, so. very good. Well, thank you guys very much. This was deeply encouraging. This is a deep conversation. These are these are. There's a lot more laughter than you would expect. But it's, <laughs> <laughs> on the suffering That's kind of how we get through it. Yeah, but I, that's evidence of God's grace in your life, mm-hmm. and I mean, you really can laugh at the days to come, mm-hmm. even while you're scared. Um, but it's just so encouraging that God's meeting you both in the midst of this. And we, we have carried you on our hearts. And um, so I know the ladies will be excited to hear you guys share. And we will definitely keep you in our prayers. So thanks for sharing. <laughs>